Maine's Political Pulse is made possible by Lee Jeep with the new Jeep Wrangler and Grand Cherokee 4xe plug-in hybrid models at Lee Jeep in Auburn and Westbrook. LeeAuto.com. Welcome to Maine's Political Pulse. I'm Erwin Gratz with Maine Public Statehouse reporter Kevin Miller. Steve Missler is busy with coverage today. Governor Mills released her proposed budget for the two years beginning July 1st. Governor told our main calling program the day before the budget release the document wouldn't have any major new initiatives. So, Kevin, did that turn out to be the case? Yeah, it did. Uh, The governor called her budget plan a, quote, stabilizing document because it essentially maintains or expands the same initiatives that her administration and the legislature are already funding. It wouldn't add anything new, at least not on on a large scale. Just to tick off a few of the higher profile items, the governor wants to allow high school graduates from the classes of 2024 and 2025 to be able to attend community college uh, for two years for free. That's a continuation of the tuition-free program that Mills and lawmakers, that they started during the pandemic. Her budget would also continue to meet the state's obligation to cover 55% of the cost of K-12 education. Which is, you know, that's been the law here in Maine for almost two decades, but we've never achieved it until this past year. Also on the municipal front, it would it would maintain municipal revenue sharing at 5%, which again is the target level, but we've rarely hit until the past couple of years. But overall, the total budget is more than $10 billion. And while it wouldn't increase taxes, it also wouldn't decrease them. And Republicans are already saying that if the state has all this extra money to spend again this year, then that's evidence that main taxes are too high. So we can expect that to be a major policy debate in the coming months. Kevin, as you know, if Democrats got their act together and enacted a budget by April 1st, they can do it without giving in to any Republican demands. After April 1st, it takes a two-thirds majority for the budget to be in place on time July 1st. So why would Democrats delay? Well, Erwin, there are both practical and political reasons to pass a budget with strong bipartisan support. As far as timing, April 1st is, isn't that far away when you're talking about lawmakers reviewing every line item in a $10 billion budget and holding public hearings. And we have to remember that this is the governor's proposal, but the legislature can do whatever it wants uh, within constitutional limits, of course. So Democrats could certainly push through a so-called majority budget without needing a single Republican vote. But politically speaking, that's usually not the way the legislature prefers to work. State budgeting is not exciting, but passing a budget is arguably the most important thing that the legislature does every two years. And not only are state budgets necessary to keep state government operating, they directly impact municipal and local budgets, which impacts how much people pay local property taxes and whether roads are maintained. So I think the public wants to see bipartisan cooperation with lots of input from uh, people in rural and urban areas. And so far, all sides are saying they want to hit that two-thirds majority. Here's Governor Mills. This budget envisions uh, a two-thirds approval enactment by the legislature. It responds to a number of needs raised by members of both parties uh, and independents. And then here is Republican leader in the House, Representative Billy Bob Falkingham of Winter Harbor. I absolutely. That's the, uh, our goal is to get a two-thirds budget. The goal that the governor has stated that she wants is a two-thirds budget. And I think that's just what everybody wants to see. That's the way the legislature is supposed to function. And uh, I think we can do that as long as we go through the pro- process. It'll take some time, but that's how government's supposed to work. 
So, so far, the sides seem uh, willing and eager to work together, but we'll see how this plays out, especially when it comes to the issues of taxation and spending. Well, now to Washington, where it took four days for majority Republicans to choose a speaker. Uh, Kevin, what's been the reaction from Maine's congressional delegation? Well, most of them have been signaling that they're not happy with the concessions that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had to make to win over the conservative holdouts in his caucus or the things that Republicans did as soon as they had control of the House. Democratic Representative Shelley Pingree, who's who's a progressive, said that McCarthy had capitulated to the radical wing of his caucus. Representative Jared Golden is a more moderate Democrat, and he's also a Marine Corps veteran who serves on the House Armed Services Committee. And he said that McCarthy's agreement to cut $75 billion in defense spending was, quote, indiscriminate and that it could undermine U.S. national security and the war in Ukraine. Senator Angus King, who just got back from Ukraine last weekend, uh, where he met with President Zelensky, he's also said that he hopes this Republican opposition to continued military assistance to Ukraine, but that's a minority view. And Republican Senator Susan Collins, who is now the highest ranking Republican on the powerful Senate Appropriations Committee, uh, she put out a joint statement with the committee chairwoman, Senator Patty Murray, this week, where the two say that they're pledging to work in a bipartisan way and to follow what's supposed to be the normal process for spending bills. They didn't say so, but this certainly seems like it was a response to a lot of the concern out there about whether House Republicans could force a government shutdown or some of these big fights over, over the debt limit. Well, back in Augusta, one of the things the legislature has wrestled with in recent years has been the efficacy of child protective services. Legislators have been dismayed by a series of child deaths caused by abuse. Kevin, what's the latest in their search for reforms? Well, we may learn more about this later today because the legislative committee is meeting as we speak. They're talking about their next steps in trying to get access to confidential case files for children who've died at the hands of their of their parents or caregivers. But once again, this year, it seems like we're hearing a lot of talk among lawmakers about whether these child welfare and child protection services should stay within the main Department of Health and Human Services or whether they should be broken out into a separate agency. There's definitely a lot of discussion about somehow strengthening the oversight of child protection programs, whether that's legislatively or through an independent body. Governor Mills, in her her budget proposal, she proposed another $15 million for foster care and adoptive care, but not any money for caseworkers. She was asked about that this week, and here's what she had to say. The current biennium, biennial budget added dozens and dozens more caseworkers and caseworker supervisors in the budget. Um, some of those are still unfilled. So rather than add on to the numbers, more than 450 caseworkers across the state of Maine right now, we want to fill those with people who uh, take those jobs and, and do so competently. As you said, Erwin, this has been a topic for many years now, unfortunately. We've had multiple high-profile deaths of children who were on the radar of DHHS child welfare agencies. Uh, the legislature has funneled huge sums of money into hiring more caseworkers and improving training, but we continue to see these horrific incidents. And uh, a report by the Ombudsman Office that reviews how DHHS is handling child welfare issue- issues recently found, quote, substantial issues in more than half of the cases that are reviewed. So I think it's safe to say that this is going to be a, a top concern, a top issue for lawmakers and for Governor Mills again this year. Well, Dr. Shaw is moving up. The director of Maine's Center for Disease Control will be taking the number two job at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in March. Kevin, were you surprised to hear that? 
Not really. I mean, he had such a high profile during the pandemic here in Maine with the way he handled things and his sometimes daily and then weekly uh, discussions with, with the public and updating people. And as we all know, he had quite a following among people up here in Maine. There was a lot of talk early on about how he probably would be an appealing pickup for the Biden administration when they first came in, into office. And he certainly has received a lot of praise and had a, a pretty high profile on a national level because he headed one of the uh, national groups for state CDC directors. So I'm not necessarily surprised that this has happened, but I know I've already heard from a lot of people who are kind of preemptively mourning uh, the fact that Dr. Shaw will probably be going away from the state. Did he ever entertain a thought of turning his popularity into a political career? There were people who who did not approve of Dr. Shaw's handling of the pandemic, and they would periodically troll him on Twitter. And in an interview last year, he said these people weren't going to drive him out of Maine, that maybe he would consider running for office in Maine. Uh, He subsequently came back and said, no, he's happy in his job and he doesn't have any plans for political office. But I imagine there, if if he did decide, there probably would have been quite a few people who would have voted for him. Yeah. Well, to wrap up, what's the legislature going to be up to in the week ahead? The legislature is just slowly getting into gear, so not too much is coming up. It's a lot of just moving paper around, bills are being printed, so not too much, but things will heat up pretty quickly once we get into February. Kevin Miller is a Maine Public Statehouse reporter. That's Maine's Political Pulse for this week. Check out our newsletter online at mainepublic.org. You can subscribe and we'll drop it in your email inbox on Friday mornings. You can hear part of the Political Pulse podcast each Friday afternoon as part of All Things Considered. And we'll have another podcast for you each Friday afternoon. Our music is by Rob Holt. I'm Erwin Gratz. That's Maine's Political Pulse for this week.